0: The following podcast is brought to you by the Johnners Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN Podcast. I am your host, as always, Billy, and I am joined on this edition, uh, I think, with one of the biggest guests I've been able to get on so far, just in terms of experience and just the amount of notes that I've got, uh, is, of course, the Amazon, Big Fem Veer herself. It's Aisha Raymond. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello, podcast world. I'm, I apologise for the, the glitching of my green screen. I tried. I tried. <laughs>
0: it's, it's fine. It's, it's better than I mean, this. This is just... Just nerdvana behind me instead. So, uh, I, I try to do the whole green screen behind me, but I'm so pale that I match like the the wall. So I just, I lose my head. It's just a, a logo with a beard on it.
1: Oh, bless you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's fine. It, it, it it's all right. As soon as I I see sun, I go red. So I'd rather just I'd rather stay pale. It's fine. Anyway, mm-hmm. first question is always the same. So one you've probably answered a million times. How did you get into pro wrestling uh, and what, what was the moment that got you hooked?
1: Um, I got into pro wrestling because I have two older brothers who from I was born decided that I was their new plaything and they had to throw me around. And I used to watch Friday Night Raw and Saturday Morning Smackdown with my brothers and my grandfather. And it was just literally a, a ritual to me and to my family. My sister then got involved, like during like we were in high school. But then she kind of fell out of love with it, and I carried it on until it continued to be a thing.
0: <laughs> so, so you're one one of those rare people that just didn't dip, didn't go out of, of didn't come out of fashion for you. It was always wrestling was a constant.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was always um, kind of raised and I was always interested in performing arts and entertainment. So I knew that one point in my life was going to be part of entertainment. And my mum comes from an athletic background. She was a runner when she was in Jamaica and younger. I was not that athletic, let's, don't get me wrong, but I kind of always wanted to try it. I aesthetically liked the look of a wrestler, but I never think I never thought that I was that strong. I could be that athletic or be even competent in the ring. And I found wrestling was that kind of like merge of rock and entertainment and wrestling that we all kind of all fell in love with especially when it came to the attitude era I mean um, the thing that is burnt into my that huh? but the thing that is kind of burnt into my mind is um uh, two things the debut of China when she ragged all around uh, uh, Terry Reynolds and obviously the debut of uh, Chris Jericho which to me that's literally one of my heroes and to me that literally is the best example of how you could debut a star and have it kind of merge between categories because he was glitz and glamour. He was rock. He was wrestling. He was athleticism because of his um experience in Japan. And I was just like that. That is what I want to do.
0: Jericho is one of those rare, really rare ones. When you go back and watch at actually, it was all like quite dingy, quite dirty, quite uh, and all that. And then you had Jericho come in, like you say, with the glitz, with the sparkly shirts. And I mean, The Rock had his sparkly shirts, but it always seemed a bit I don't, I don't know what the word is. I want to say tacky, but I think that would be the wrong word. But they're always kind of like just down and dirty, where, whereas Jericho came in just like this fresh face, blonde hair, blue eyes kind of thing. And, and just, yeah, it's, it's, it, it took a little while to get used to the whole landscape of things. But, I mean, just this past weekend, he's he's still wrestling. So yeah, uh, <laughs> incredible. Um, so you mentioned China, of course, as well, which... Not a surprise uh, considering where what, what you are now and uh, and how your how your wrestling journey has gone so far. Is there anyone else that kind of caught your eye? Any maybe uh, ones that people might not expect? So not your classics like Rock Stone Cold, but maybe like a I don't know a kind tie or a Steve Blackman or something, something a bit.
1: To be honest with you, like the brain, the brainbusters was to me like I've never been into tag team wrestling, but seeing Arn Anderson and Telly Blanchard doing l- those hard hitting moves and being two harsh ball wrestlers in the kind of the weird position of being in a tag team because at that moment in time, tag teams were like flippy dippy doos Tag teams were very kind of flashy, and athletic. You had these two guys who literally were brainbusters. They would suplex you and drop you on their head, and it was kind of that mesh of the old school with the new school that I kind of fell in love with. Um, not only that, if you want it out of the box, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, you haven't seen me do a hurricane running yet, but yeah, Leah was one of my heroes when I was growing up. I I respected all the women at the time because that is what we had, your Tristratuses your ivories, but Leah, because she kind of she changed it for everybody else within that kind of era in terms of Aesthetically, what you could look like, and then what you could do in the ring, because what she looked like in person was basically most of the time eye candy. But then when she'd go in the ring and beat you up, it was something different.
0: Absolutely, I mean, Lea is a firm favourite in, in this household, particularly. Get- uh, well, I mean, to the point. Well, I, I finally got to meet her, and it was a It's an awkward story, but I've told it too many times now. I can't put it in a, into another episode. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was just yeah wonderful. And of course, Hardy Boys Team Extreme. I've got the whole logo and everything. It's just it's that's my kind of thing uh so yeah all aboard with all those favorites uh n- nothing nothing too weird or wonderful but definitely as i said like china being absolutely a perfect choice and lita being yeah absolutely polar opposite i suppose with that with high flying moves and what have you i'm sure you could bust out hara i'm sure by the time this goes out you may have already done it who are you
1: expected to post for this hara <laughs> <laughs> Like literally, I'll jump. We all crumble. It will literally be a leg DDT. Oh wait, no. I'm gonna do this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there we go. So, so if anyone's watched uh, Aisha's next match from this episode, <laughs> there, there's the that's where the idea came from. I'll give you uh,
1: your five percent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I've got here your debut was uh, 2009. So when did you actually decide to go? Right, that's it. I'm good. I've I've watched it enough. Uh, my my family is athletic, they've got all that kind of performance of interest in performance. How did you go to, to do it?
1: It was weird. I I'm come from a very traditional family in the sense of my mum never pushed us to do what she wanted. She always made us make our own decision. But Education was always important. And I decided to go to a college in Essex, which was about an hour and a half from my house every morning and having to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, you know, to sit on a a, a train for 12, 18 stops how whatever it was. I did this for six months, I walked in and out of a theatre, I walked in and out of music rooms and I was just like this is not what I want to do. Like it's cool, like I, I get it and I can get a, a qualification at the end. Stay in school, I did go back, A, a bad story in the end, but I did, I ended up leaving. And the moment I left, I found a training school in North London and that's when I started. But it was me having to make that decision of it's not a I don't want a backup plan or it's not I'm, I'm not thinking in realistic terms. It's I know what I want right now. And if I don't do it now, it's probably never going to happen. And that was my mentality at the time.
0: Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, the, the short term outweighed the kind of get. So you go back and do the education. That's what you've done. So you can go back and do that. There's only really, really so long you're going to be in your teens or in your early twenties, and I mean, gee, I'm sitting here 31 and thinking I should have done something when I was younger. And uh, there was a point in my life I had a 6 pack; it was very brief, but it was like that should have been the time I did it. But no, now I'm just I do a podcast instead, which is safer. I'll I'll, I'll just I'm happy with that. Safe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can agree with that. One. Uh, so, I've got again, so it's down to cage match. Cage is my some bible of, of trying to get information. Sometimes it's wrong. So, I'm behind my bets here. We've got here, you trained at WAW uh, with the Knights.
1: Uh, yes, but my first trainer experience was actually in LDN with Justin Richards and Ash, Paul Ash at the time. Um, that was my first ever training school. I trained there for about six months to about eight to ten months before we were invited up to go to Norwich to go to WAW. Of
0: course. Um, of course you said London. Why would I think it would be WAW? Uh, so, yeah, so that first session then, brand new environment. How, how long did you think, well, did, when, did you, when you went in, did you think, well, wrestling might be a bit more intense than I thought, or do, were you just happy just to go all in?
1: Uh, it was weird because I always had trained my my first trainer, Justin, when we were in London, he pushed us to the point of a coach, but never it never it was never abuse. It was a coach's mentality. and I remember we did drag drills and duck walks until I basically did a perfect side bump until I before I even knew what a side bump was. When we went up to Norwich, it was almost more Kind of old school based, where it was almost, I'd say it kind of almost kind of reflects old school Japan, where you were drilled to the point of exhaustion so you knew whether or not you wanted it. Because if you wanted it that badly, you'd continue to come. So I remember learning how to do European uppercuts against a wall. I remember doing wall sits if somebody was talking while an instruction being given. I remember running around the field for at least an hour and just keep going until all of us died. Um, I remember practicing dive rolls and, and lucha rolls in the field on actual floor. So it, it was a massive change to being trained in a group in a sports hall, to being trained in almost kind of a really old school type mentality. I think that's probably why I, I survived Japan a lot because that kind of mentality was installed in me from a very long time ago.
0: And I mean, you're, you're taller than most uh, wrestlers, not just men, it's not just women wrestlers in general. So did you find that, that you had you push yourself they may have push you a little bit further because you were unique in your in your height and they could push you a little bit more did you find it was a little bit more difficult because you're a bit taller than everyone else? How that, how did you find that?
1: Yes because I had to do things that I'm not saying that women can't do everything um, but I had to do things at the time that women of that size weren't unable to do. I, I was the post, I was the thrower, I was the catcher, I was the big person and at the time when I started I realistically was one of the only ones and you kind of had to be more mentally strength mentally strong and physically strong at the same time it was all well doing five thousand push push-ups and being able to you know get massive arms but if i couldn't last a 15 minute match and that was the cardio and endurance aspect then there's no point in this um the first couple of matches that i was doing when i debuted properly like on the british indie circuit was for premier promotions and if no one's aware of premier promotions they still run matches in the format of rounds which was the old British style. So, matches would be 20, 25 minutes long with four rounds in between that. And you, even though those are little breaks in between, you had to be able to go that distance. Um, I'd like to see rounds matches brought back to be fair, that we were very interested in. <laughs>
0: that's, that's, that's fast. I'm, I'm fascinated by that then, because nowadays, I suppose you're, you're trained to just do not a bog standard match, but it seems to be it's, it's quite uh, a lot of wrestling, it's kind of cookie cutter, as in as long as you can do this you'll be fine whereas you're learning if this happens you can do this if this happens mm-hmm. you can do this and a very early early part of your training you're you're given a lot of trust because you're like you say the post so you're the one that if it goes wrong it, it possibly is on you because you're the one that has to hold everyone up yes. at the same time
1: I mean it's low, well and good like I, I again I don't I don't shit on any wrestlers. I don't shit on anybody's ability. But what people always forget is it it takes two to tango. It's all well and good that someone can do a -A tilt-a-world head scissors flying clothesline or whatever you want to call it this week, but that person is being held and being supported by another person. Both, both people should receive credit and I think that's generally lost within a lot of training and matches. People don't actually remember it does take two. You, some people can wrestle a broomstick and some people can wrestle themselves, but it does usually take two.
0: <laughs> so I've got your debut
1: match down here
0: uh, against a, a young Britannia Knight. Uh, which could or could not be the case. Uh, but that's, that's, what, that's what the Germans are saying. Uh, so <laughs> that, was, that was your first match. And of course, she went out to be uh, just a wrestler by the name of Paige. You know, no big deal. But uh, at the time, of course, <laughs> you're training in Norwich, so with the Knights, and it's pretty night. Nice. So you're put in with with uh, your trainer's daughter. Uh, so how, how did you find your first match experience? And, and what, was, what was you, did you learn anything from it?
1: Oh, no, I did. It was, it was a real shift because I actually had to do stuff. It sounds weird, but like, the, the Germans haven't got it wrong, but it's just my first actual, it wasn't for Justin Richards, mm-hmm. but my first ever match, I basically did a wrist lock sequence and ended the whole match with a powerbomb. And it was a tag match, but that was in LDN. So that's why I say it was a complete shift. I was given spot moves to do. Of what I could do safely or comfortably within the focus of working with another girl. The match in Norwich was actually billed as a mixed tag match or into more, more along the lines of an intergender match. Because Zach Knight was there, he was also involved. Um, the other tag partners were there, they were also involved, and everybody was involved with each other. It wasn't just girls versus girls, guys versus guys. Um, one of the most significant moments in that match that I do remember is um I was being dropkicked and it was a smaller ring and I'm a big person. And I didn't realize at that time because I was so new that in order for it to look better or in order for to give me more space and for it to be safe, I had to position myself. My ring positioning obviously wasn't there yet. So there's a point in the match. If anyone can ever find the footage, I've got it. You'll never have it. Um, Where Zach actually like lightly taps me away before he dropkicks me. And it's like it was that I need room. Okay, you can have it now. But it was that kind of step up from, here's, you're you're a girl, you can do these, these moves really well, you do that, that's cool, to actually working a match and working within different characters and different people who had been working on the circuit at the time. Because Brittany and Zach at that time were working on the all-star circuit. So it was kind of nice, not in the trainee sense, I have trainee against trainees, I was working with people who were already working.
0: And I suppose it'd be very easy because of your size very easy to just have you go in and batter folk and then leave and do that rinse and repeat forever so are you very conscious very keen to make sure you had all these these parts and for to, to be ready for any kind of situation like like a mixed tag or anything like that so you'd, you'd actually be doing more than just a powerbomb? oh well,
1: of course because like I'm not there is there is no ego to my character and I I'm not a stupid person my my character is is It's a spectacle because of my height and my size and the things I can do. But if you use my character in a wrong way or if you use what I can do in a wrong way, it becomes a squash match. Nobody wants to watch me destroy somebody for three minutes and pay for that every single time. If my matches were like, if I basically had a Goldberg-esque beginning of my career for the 13 years that I've been doing it, I don't think I'd be doing it for 13 years. It was learning the different aspects of what I could do without kind of ruining the essence of being a, a power wrestler, but still showing people that I could be technical, I could throw out a high flyer move if I needed to, and then I was the powerhouse. I haven't really got the talker part ready yet because when you hand me a microphone, I go ah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was I needed to know more things to be an all rounder. That was my most biggest obsession when I was training. I never wanted to fit into one character or category. It's one thing I remember from making me, which I can download me now, yay, on um, SmackDown versus Raw games. I always chose to be an all-rounder. I wasn't a technician, I wasn't a brawler, I wasn't a powerhouse. It was always all- everything, because I believe that in terms, in terms of actually a longevity of a career, you do kind of need to know everything, or at least kind of know aspects of everything, otherwise you get quite stale. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so 2009, got well, that as your debut, and it's only a couple of years you're in the ring with the like of, of Nikki Storm, uh, who at that point would have just been like on fire. Uh, so when I, st- I started watching 2012, so she was, I knew the name Nikki Storm when I started watching uh, UK wrestling. So was there any kind of matches in your first year or two that you were just like, I mean, how, how much of a student were you for the British scene before you started training?
1: Oh no, in terms of it, like I, I was a student of game, like my whole thing is I, I spend more time talking to all the old schoolers than I do everybody else and it makes people think something else of me. It's not that I don't want to speak to people, it's just that I like education and I like learning. So um, like I met Nikki when she actually came up to Norwich. She came up to Norwich with a bunch of um, the, the Scottish girls that were working in the scene at the time. I think it was Nikki Storm Viper and one of the Owens twins at the time I believe Um and I remember when she walked through the door at Norwich and she got in the ring and she started running the ropes or she was doing a, a sequence in the ring with somebody, I think it was Zach, and it was the the word that described her the most was the firecracker. She was like this little tiny dynamite thing and then she spoke at 100 miles an hour, but because she, now that I live in Scotland I just know it's because she was Scottish, but she spoke at 100 miles an hour and it was just like you, I don't know what it is about you, but you are gonna be awesome one day and it, it was it's another like I, I love having memories about nikki sometimes because i remember there was a moment in eve where she had changed her gear for the first time and it was like a side-by-side profile picture of again no ego i'm not shitting on anybody it was nikki storm and it was alpha female standing side by side and it was the change that nikki had done in terms of her persona her body her shape her all-round personality i i actually in my head i flipped i'm like that should be the alpha p female. Like if I could change your name, I would call you an alpha female. So my my memories of Nikki and like the the circuit, especially in Scotland, were like I knew most of the girls, most of because they were coming down to Norwich. But um, Nikki to me stood out the most, and also like lost in the ether. your Sarah Marie Taylors stood out the most to me. Like I always loved the glamour. I loved the glamour gym when the glamour gym was in Eve, and I loved. The- character that Sarah always had like to me she always kind of was able to project her character to an entire audience and not actually have to do that much in the ring because she was so entertaining
0: yeah so to have this like and just just it's, it's the eyes it's for me it's always that because she's got these massive like we say massive but she's got like, these big eyes that just like I convey so much emotion so easily uh because
1: yeah they're...
0: well when i when i did my podcast with her i always say it's the worst one i've done not for her because me because as soon as i saw her and she like these massive eyes looking at me i was like i've forgotten every question i'm gonna <laughs> ask I'm just gone i think it's just a, i was so intimidated just because it, it just stared right through you and i was just gone <laughs> it was just that was it uh, now I write notes. That's why I write notes now, so I don't forget things. Uh, but, but yeah, so, so you had 2011, Nicky Storm, and then obviously 2012, you had the Blossom Twins as well, which at that point they would have just been either just before or just out of TNA, would that be right? Yep. Bootcamp, British Bootcamp, which I loved. Loved that. Uh, and then 2012, so we're three years in, and you're off to Australia.
1: Yep, that was uh, the... That was my coming, almost coming to Jesus moment of, oh, I don't actually know that much. Um, (laughs) So you know when you get caught in a bubble for your entire life and you think you're awesome. I never thought I was awesome, but that's the general concepts. And when you leave that bubble, when I went to Australia, I kind of realized that there was almost a cookie cutter kind of makeup to match structure, um, almost character work and just all round way people kind of used to wrestle a lot in Norwich in that area. And literally, I had gone from Norwich straight to Australia, and they were throwing everything at me. And I know it sounds really stupid, and it was a long time ago, so no one could hold this against me, but they literally started breaking matches down. So it was, what's your heat? What's your shine going to be? What's your comeback? And I'm sitting there going, huh? (laughs) I generally didn't know... I, I knew British sequences, I knew spot. I knew power moves, but I was trained the British style way. Like, tell me to run any sequence that's on World of sport today and I can do it. But when people started breaking m- matches down into, in my heart, that was a story. I always saw matches as a story. It was now moves. And it was just like the most biggest culture shock ever. And it, after that, I learned to both incorporate how I planned, how I kind of, not planned, how I do my matches. Um, it where focuses more on story and on skill rather than just one or the other.
0: And how how did that get set up then? Were you just like ran little over to Australia, contact some companies, or was it a case of someone spotted you at a, a Norwich show and went, "We'll bring you over." And how, how did that come about?
1: I well, we left Norwich and I thought that I, I my career was over. I literally thought, okay, safety bubble's gone, burst. Psh, okay, you're alone now, and I went through my whole. Facebook at the time, I was like, okay, what wrestlers have I spoken to um, previously that, you know, have training schools, you know, um, I've just got out of college, I can travel, that's cool, that's fine, you know, have you got any seminars or camps, and I sent a message over to PWA, PWA, PWA in Australia, And they were at the time doing their PWWA women's show. It was their resurgence. A couple of PW shows and a tour in Melbourne, which was for my first Comic-Con, which was awesome. And um, they were literally like, come over. We can definitely have you on the women's show. We'll see what we have to do about the... um, uh, the comic cons and everything but would definitely like we definitely want to use you. They flew me over and when I got over there I literally just I was surrounded by so many nice friendly people that I'd never met in my entire life. These people would know me for 20 seconds and they already were treating me as if I would had been there for life and kind of one of the nice nicest things that actually happened during that tour is I met Kelly Skater who then um referred me on to uh, Sovation and Hachi Suzuki for Japan. So in my eyes, if I didn't do that and go to Australia, I wouldn't have had a recommendation for Japan.
0: We'll definitely get to that next, but I want to speak about Comic-Con then. Uh, so I've got my first one coming up in October, so I don't know what to expect for Comic-Con. I just know that I want to go, and it's in Edinburgh, so why not? Uh, how, how was it? How, how big of a uh, I don't know comic book fan are you? We'll definitely speak about Pennyworth, but how big of a comic book fan are you? DC, Marvel, anime, I- manga—what's your kind of thing?
1: I love anime and manga mostly. Um, I've never been a huge Marvel and DC person, generally just because the comics, it sounds really weird, but when I was younger, my friends were so obsessed with them that it was bombarded in my face, and I didn't understand how to read them. Anyway, you can take the piss if you want, I don't care, but I didn't know how to read comics when I was younger. It literally was in my teens where I was like, oh, so you follow the boxes this way, cool. Um, manga is a lot easier because it's less, it's, it's more it's actually it's more graphic book type there there aren't the structure is a lot different but in terms of the comic-con to me that was a weird experience it was the first time where i was part of a setting where i was part of the i was part of the talent but then you also saw people like you that you idolize like the, the cast of supernatural were there when i was there and you had uh, illustrators that I, I had read when i was in school and um, it was like walking up to these people quite scarily and wanting to speak to them and then having to be you know carefully ushered away even though you know I'm working here too but it was just such a busy and kind of like everybody um, there was no unfriendly people there but it was very very busy like after something like lockdown and COVID I generally don't know if I could be in that setting right now it would take a while to build it up but like where i was we had a 21 foot ring or 18 foot ring i can't remember which one it was and then everything else was around us so you can imagine how big the actual setup was that
0: sounds amazing uh, but In no the yeah yeah the, the crowd thing that's that's something i i it keeps creeping into my mind sometimes going oh there's a lot of people but i've, I've spent my last God knows how many years before the pandemic avoiding crowds. So I think I'll be fine. I'm all right. I've just need to get practice again. Just going in the high street and just going have Me going over near
1: you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> get a stick and poke everyone away from me. That's it. Just get.
0: A, <laughs> I'll just get a costume that has something that I could just just throw at people. I've got I've got this, like Thor's hammer, so I could just grab that and just sort of right, go away. Right. I don't know where to costume. I'm just just carrying this with me. <laughs> go away. <laughs> um, so yeah back on track here because there is there is sort of a structure to the show somehow Mm. by some miracle Uh, 2012 Australia you got your recommendation to go to Japan and I was looking to see where you ended up and it was everywhere just about but uh, (laughs) so big fan of anime big fan of of manga Japan and wrestling it must just been a a dream must be heaven going to
1: I've I've said it for years and I'll say it again. I was born in Britain but I was raised in Japan. Like for me being there is it's, it's I've, i I say the same saying all the time. I am a submersed by people who sometimes don't understand what I'm saying, sometimes can't understand what i'm saying but they have treated me far better than some of my peers in this business or in life sometimes but just the atmosphere the the respect for wrestling alone like a lot of people drum it into their minds that this is their hobby or it's it's, it's kind of cool to do but those those women especially when it comes to the joshi community it, it's treated as their religion there's women who come out of their schools literally straight into dojo and they know nothing else and that's the kind of respect that they have. And that was when I was dumped into that, I I wanted it all. Like, literally, I was like a sponge. I, I was brought in as monster-gun. So I was I was a monster. I was not meant to do anything apart from smash you, do whatever, pick you up and throw you. But I literally used to go to Nane and go, no, um, match practice, uh, dojo training, daijoubu. Is, is it okay? Is that all right? And she would be shocked because there aren't many guys in that generally go over there and train, train, train. But there are guys in that go over there and train for their matches. But I wanted to be fully submersed in that kind of environment, which is a detriment to your own sometimes. Because once you do that, you're part of the furniture and you're not special anymore. Like when I go over, I'm not special anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, that that yeah, wrestling in Japan specifically is is just respect-based and I think the, the old adage is uh, you could take your favourite wrestler of all time oh, oh, right today and there's a 14-year-old girl in, in Japan who could do it all and better. Mm-hmm. So they've just, yeah, they can, they're trained at a very young age to just do everything and their matches are incredible and we see the ones, see the, the girls that are coming over from Japan to AEW and I don't watch an awful lot of AEW but from what I see, they just outperform just about everyone and they're about half their age which is just, insane to think about um so yeah we've got stardom i've uh, got uh a of girls i'm gonna butcher these and uh, w1 uh, in 2013 and you end up in germany so you
1: yes
0: yeah, so 2019 you leave you leave norwich and you end up just traveling the world pretty much
1: i literally <laughs> said screw it okay uk i'll, I'll come back I'll, I'll see you in a bit <laughs> so how was how germany Germany, to me, is like my third home. Like, I, I to this day, my favourite match is me winning the w- GWF women's title in the middle of Berlin and seeing the crowd with the confetti. Like, they've always treated me with nothing but respect, and I've had nothing but, like, amazing matches over there. The experience alone, like, it, it, you would think it's something different because it's Germany, like, not as strict as what people may think. Um, there is a lot of beer, that is true, but the company GWF itself, they almost kind kind of reflect their, they try and their best to reflect WE in the American promotions so they bring over their kind of entertainment base and a lot of backstage stuff there's a lot of movie things that go on as well as the wrestling so it was like they were trying to build their own sports entertainment colorant and I loved it over there I still love it over there
0: <laughs> and of course adding whoop, Wales I suppose it is outside of England but uh, Wales and Italy in 2016 so yeah it's just I'm, I'm just amazed at when I Was doing this research, of course. I, I know the name Aisha Raymond. Well, not that name at the time, but Aisha Raymond. Um, and I was going through my research, I was like, You've been everywhere, just about. If you've fairly uh racked up the miles on your on your uh, journey, on my bump card,
1: I yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> my bump card is almost maxed out, not yet though.
0: <laughs> and of course, um, this led to 2017, which was the W. Mae Young Classic. Uh, representing England what was it like getting the call to to ask be asked that you were gonna
1: take part I sat in my mum's house and I almost cried because I just it it was like you know when you think you wish for something so much when you're little and when it finally happens you're like I'm gonna be surrounded by all these people I used to watch on tv I'm gonna be in that ring like I, I saw the documentaries of when they were building the, the setup in Full sale when they first did the performance center and they first went to Full sale, you know the studios and the university and it was just like I'm gonna be part of this massive like wrestling entertainment machine and I'm the only English person that they've chosen thank you <laughs> it's very sobering <laughs> uh, so yeah
0: what well, well, I mean you said you've got to see people and that was who, who, who did you grab because you, you say you like speaking to the old 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 timers, oh, not, not a quote. But uh, who who did you grab? Was there anyone that you were able to pick the brains of while you were there?
1: There's no, I'm not, it's not an old timer. It's His quote, not mine. But I I spoke to Regal most of the time. Like he is one of the most. Like there, there was someone I should have thrown in. When you're like who inspired you, Stephen Regal. Like they, walk seeing him walk out of WCW. I'm like fly the flag for us. Thank you. But. Uh, When it comes to imports and and anybody in the business and and minds in the business and experience in the business and what you could truly teach people from the UK, English, England, Ireland, Wales, Scotland it's William Regal. Like he was the one from our Isle of nowhere where they generally thought we did nothing but rolls and bumps and, you know, we drank tea. He went over there and he showed them that we can look amazing and be bodies. If you want me to go to the gym, I'll go to the gym. Here you go, I'll, I'll be huge. But he gave you a character. He gave you skill. He gave you a cat style that they weren't actually used to. And he opened the doors for everyone. And even till this day, when th- with things like... NXT, the classic, even just working behind the scenes at WE alone, his mind you can see is influenced a lot of not just the British talent, everyone, in terms of how you kind of carry yourself in wrestling, in wrestling or how you need to promote yourself in wrestling or, or mistakes that you can make in wrestling and how you can rise above it. Like if, any, if you don't like William Regal, you don't like wrestling. That, that literally is a mentality.
0: <laughs> I mean, oh, I, I, yeah, Regal... It, when, I suppose when, when I was growing up, the only guy we have was, was Roddy Piper, and technically he's not even Scottish. I
1: know, he's uh, Canadian.
0: So... <laughs> did it break your heart too when you found out? <laughs> it really did. It, 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 but even, <laughs> yes, it, it, yeah, that I was, I, was, I did not even know until, I think, I, I, did I read his book maybe? Or, or it was a very long, I, I was too old to not have known at that point. But I was like, no, no, he's Scottish. He, he plays bagpipes, he wears a kilt. Of course he's Scottish. <laughs> 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 then 16 arrives, and I'm like, wait, what? He's Canadian. This isn't, no, 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 no. Who, no. who else am I going to support? But yeah, Regal, is uh, he's, 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 he has so many things that, that could have derailed his whole uh, career or his reputation, but he's just, just so good. And, uh, things like, he's, he was not afraid to make a fool out of himself. He was not afraid to to just, he was there to entertain and he yeah. was there to grab body part and could batter you with it in 20 different ways, but he's going to entertain you at the end of it as well. Um, yeah, or speak to him like he's not here anymore. But he is, of course, because William Regal and he'll never, he'll never leave this mortal coil. <laughs> never, ever. <laughs> but, but no, I, I, yeah, I got to see him wrestle a couple of times up in Aberdeen when WWE did the tours. And it was like Santino or Goldust. And I was like, this is just, this is wrestling. This is the best thing ever. Um, I I remember I I, I tried to, I bowed down to him. And I can tell you for now, he gave me a stare that still haunts me sometimes. Because I wasn't supposed to be cheering him at that point. (laughs) So he just looked at me and just shook his head. And I was just like, I've made a mistake of my life here. So I'm just going to, just going (laughs) to go sit back down. That's... I'll go over here now. Yeah, yeah, just, I'm, I'm, I'm four rows back. You kind of get me, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, he could. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fairly certain, yeah, he could. <laughs> but no, um, same with uh, Dave Taylor, of course. Um, yeah, he, he didn't like me at that show either. Uh, so, well, that was only because it's Scotland-England thing, of course, so you, you, he was the bad guy. You Saint Flower of Scotland. And he, he gave me the middle finger, and it was a, It was a very nice day for for me. (laughs) Just like going, oh,
1: this is amazing,
0: but still. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, 2017, Mayan Classic, Tony Storm, I ended up wrestling her, which of course, she's my answer to SmackDown. Uh, I think, I don't entirely know. She was sure it's SmackDown. But yeah, so they've done amazing things and you end up going to Ring of Honor the year after. So again, you're still... You're still popping up everywhere, learning learning all these little bits and pieces of information from everyone as you go. So Ring of Honor, that was the, was that the Honor United Tour? Yes. Yes, not year. So again, working for Ring of Honor, how was that?
1: It was, it was weird because I got the booking when I was in Japan, so they, they contacted me when I was in Japan, assuming that I still lived in England, and I was like, mm, technical difficulties, I'm um, actually, I, I live in Scotland now, but. They were like, can you still do the show? I'm like, yeah, of course, but I'm not Scottish. I just need to make sure that's clear. I, and uh, yeah, but the having the match, the match was originally booked as Tennille Dashwood, which was just like to me, I was like, oh, that, that would be interesting. But then obviously she can make the show and it was then to have that kind of dynamic of, you're in my town, but I live in your town, but we're still in my town having this fight. And we didn't know, or I didn't know, to be honest, who the crowd was going to take to. So it was just literally, let's do our thing. Here's the match. And if they boo or cheer, let's see what happens. Because I think both of us would build those faces at the same time. And... It was a good match, and the crowd actually like there was no ill will. There was no England versus Scotland booze. It was actually a really respectful match, and I think a lot of people kind of followed our both of our kind of Japanese careers because we both come from Japan at that time, and obviously after that doing well with the sports. So it was kind of nice to have not a polarizing um, crowd base, but everybody was kind of together. So that was cool. Uh,
0: of course, so, so I think the sound dipped off a second, but it was Killey Ray you were against. Just for anyone who's listening, going, wait, sorry, was that? It was it's Killey Sorry, no, it's just internet you know last episode i did with uh, with with the uh, wrestling ring announcer uh, it, it was two hours long and i don't think we got a whole story out of it because of wi-fi issues so it's absolutely fine <laughs> so yes you mentioned the uh, world of sport which i i mean i think you up you on twitter not long ago which which blew my mind was of course uh, wos came around it was on tv you weren't even in the country at the time. Nope. <laughs> so, so yeah, WOS. Um, World of Sport, of course, revived for ITV. It's a big opportunity on television as well. Uh, of course, me on Classic was on the network and all that kind of stuff, but this is proper television, ITV. was like? Can get the call up for that?
1: That was like completely out of the blue, unexpected. It was um, the one of the management team and the promoters was a fan and he had seen me working and uh, seen some of my matches in Japan and he knew that I had moved into Scotland and was just trying to find out where I was and then I, I think I was one of the last people to get the call because I wasn't on the original tapings and again completely out of the blue and it was like well it's resurging this might be fun you know I, I can't remember the last big black powerful big bad that was in World of Sport that was female this might be interesting and it was kind of a, a new environment to kind of pull off character-based kind of wrestling because and when it came to WOS the, the that's why I say WOS and not World of Sport um, there were two different makeups and two different kind of sandwiches of what should make up a wrestling show and what should make up a wrestling match. World of Sport is World of Sport. WOS was more, they almost tried to make it more television, almost Jemmy Springer-based, because it is ITV and they don't promote wrestling. So that is what they know. And it was just a weird kind of weird and interesting setup because it was completely. The polar opposite to what you would think. World of sport, the resurgence would be. You would think that it would kind of rehash the days of old and almost kind of give you a blast into the past. But it was almost like a new wrestling package, but with the WOS or World of Sport name. So it was, it was just kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, I was like my my biggest criticism of it was it was being taped as a I'm not saying as an entertainment show, but it was like it was more drama-based, more of the entertainment and less about the wrestling. The wrestling was maybe like, I don't know, ten minutes of the overall show of the whole hour and you're like, I want a little bit more wrestling please. That's why I'm watching WOS wrestling. Uh, And then, yeah, it's... I would have liked to have seen it get a second run, maybe with a little bit more tweaks and improvement. I mean, who knows? They still advertise, they still promote WOS on Twitter, so it could still be going on for all I know and they just haven't told us. Uh, but yeah, you were in Japan when the show was on then. So TV, on telly, we're watching at home, sitting on my sofa watching WOS, and Aisha Raymond uh, wrestling and you're not there. So yeah, you're in Japan. What, what, was, what was I reading about a story that you were trying to promote it on your Twitter feed like you were there and they were told to stop or
1: something Uh, like that? It was, I was, it wasn't, I was was told to stop. I was told to like almost kind of position it and think about it more because you have to remember Japan is like 12 hours. Like I'm in a different world, not on a different day. I'm in a different week. So I'd be posting things and try and advertise WOS and it'd be like 4 AM in the morning. (laughs) And I was just like, I'm sorry. I am actually trying really hard here. But it was almost kind of like just think about it more or you know just just be quiet for a while we'll send you what we need to post okay here's a time just press tweet when you need to and i was just like cool that's i can work with that that's fine <laughs>
0: uh yeah would you put it like that okay i can see, I can see where they're coming from with that then. uh yeah because i mean nothing nothing annoys me more uh when I'm like trying to get results or trying to get an announcement for, for a show on on, my, on the website or anything like that and I'm going, God, I haven't announced anything as yet and I'll wake up the next morning and they put it out at half past 11 at night. It's like, who is seeing that? No. <laughs> Not me, I I'm know. in bed by 10. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so WOS came, came and went. Did you of know the, the tours when they did go out for however long they did? Or is that all it? used to Japan?
1: I was away. I literally came back for the end of the tour and by the time I came back, like unfortunately my, my grandfather had passed late, earlier that year and the more time I came back I had to fly out again to um, obviously for my grandfather's funeral. So I saw, I actually watched the London show and flew out to Jamaica the next day. Yeah, um,
0: like I said, maybe one day there'll be a season mm. two but who knows. Mm. But uh, twenty nineteen arrives and you end up in the ring with with uh, Mercedes Martinez. We are skipping quite a lot because twenty nineteen that Japan tour was just insane. So we'll I know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, twenty nineteen November, Mercedes Martinez again. Another. This is probably one of the first one of the first times I'm sure you've been with other people that's kind of your height and build. But Mercedes is pretty much your height and build. So most likely in the ring with someone that could be the post.
1: <laughs> it was. So nice because it was, it wasn't what, it was, what can we do together to make this match awesome? It wasn't, what can you do? What can we kind of change this to make it? It was okay. We have to figure out how to make each other look awesome. Not figure out because Mercedes Martinez is awesome. Um, But it was, she, I had never been in the ring. It sounds really bad with um, a lot of veterans at that time that were willing to do so much for an opponent. Because you get to a point in your career, everybody does it, where you kind of think, what is good for this match and for me right now? But she, again, I was, I was there. We did the match and we did it together. And it was what was good for both of us. Not only that, but I literally watched her kick the sh- like, holy stuff into people in Shima and around America for years. And the moment I got into that building, I was just like in awe. Not only that, but when I was in Japan, I was actually wrestling with one of her trainees, Jenna Van Muscles, who is in AEW now. She wrestles a, and NWA. And the similarities between them both in terms of personality was awesome. And it was kind of nice to know the trainee and then finally get to see the senpai. And I was just like, this is great. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, so, so Eva general, though, so of course, this is big. This is in your kind of your home, this massive company now, it's all female based. Um I, I didn't write down when you had your Eve debut, but what was it like getting into that and seeing all these these women just for the same thing. They're all here, put on a wrestling show and you're part of it.
1: Um, it was like like I debuted in Eve. This I was actually supposed to be on the first ever show when Eve started, but we de- I I debuted on the second show with my tag partner Destiny. And it was myself, um, and Destiny versus Jenny Shadeen and Abel Davis. And that was way back when in yesteryear. And then to come back almost like ten years, maybe like nine, ten years later, it was weird it was it's got a completely different setup to what it was you know the catch division is gone the houses are gone you know it is a general promotion now and it, it, he's he's almost trying to reflect normal promotions but then with this all-female setting so it's it was a complete flip to what he used to run his product as
0: your your recall is fantastic <laughs> i'm just throwing that out there <laughs> thank so, you because so, i've just got i've just got the promotion and maybe a match next to it and then you're just throwing, throwing out, oh yeah, I wrestled, oh, I wrestled them and I wrestled that by person's like, this is amazing. This is great. <laughs> so uh, but before, before we move forward, you were saying that, that you wrestle people that are just for them. What can I do to make this match? And like you're saying right back at the start, it takes two. So if someone's gonna if if, if a promoter or anyone who's who's seen you wrestle if if you if you have a bad match, but you but that you look good, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. they're thinking, well, that was still a bad match. So clearly, you can't work with people very well. It's a it's a very weird thing. I don't understand why people go for that mentality of, oh, how can I look the best? No, no, we have mm-hmm. to look the best because it's a match. <laughs> you know, I know it's it's mind blowing to me. But I'm not, I'm not a wrestler. I'm just I'm just a spectator at the end of it all.
1: Sometimes the greatest eyes are the eyes on the outside, so.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's a t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> so, 2019, yes. So, Japan. Right, I'm going to butcher some of these, but I've got uh, Seedling.
1: Yes.
0: Uh, actually, no, they're quite easy to say. Uh, seedling, 01, AWG, Ice Ribbon, mm-hmm. uh, Freedoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably more that Cage Match didn't have. So you worked every major Yoshi promotion in japan in 2019
1: pretty much um i was also part of the yokohama young generation it was kind of nice <laughs> 12 years into my career and i've now classed as a young generation superstar it was great and i was like yes forget everything before it's awesome um so i literally wrestled in one of the most biggest wrestling festivals to, in wrestling in yokohama like every it happens every year and they basically give you who they think are the crop of the crop in the joshi and japanese wrestling scene that you should be looking at and to be part of this group i mean one of the most famous names that's come out of that group um so far not naming myself without any ego uh would be julia in stardom who has literally torn the entire scene up after leaving uh ice strip and coming to stardom and she's now literally a superstar
0: I mean, you, you can throw yourself into that ring if you want. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is, would that be a place you would want to to be full time, or is that a case of you like going over and it's it's a little bit out out of uh, a bit new, a bit different every time you go, or or is that would be Japan be your dream place to kind of set up shop and and go for it?
1: I've always considered it. Um, my time in Japan especially with Seedling I spent a lot of time with Natsuki Teo and Nane Takahashi in the dojo and in the office and it was weird when I came back it was almost like all that time that I spent with them kind of prepared me for fierce females which happened you know eventually and Now that I've kind of got that extra responsibility, that notion of always going to Japan full time is still there in the back of my head. But I also now have more responsibilities in, you know, I consider Scotland my country now, in my own country that are far, not far more important, but are are extremely important to me right now. And I would like to make sure that's stable before I, you know, leave for a year. I can leave for three months. That's fine.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, this is Scottish Wrestling Podcast. We'll get onto your Scottish wrestling stuff soon. Um, (laughs) But before I do that, then, we'll we'll speak about about your your turn in acting on uh, DC uh, Pennyworth. As I've written down Big Mad Janet, and then I've had a panic thinking I did that off the top of my head. Big Mad Janet?
1: (laughs) Mad Janet Murphy! Ah,
0: damn. (laughs) Uh, I I knew as soon as I started reading it going, oh, I've got that wrong. But anyway... How? What was that? What was that like? So it was just yourself and uh, Giselle Shaw, was, yeah. was also in there. Um, again, how was? Were you trying to be doing like kind of acting pieces on the side? Of course, your love for performance. How'd that come about?
1: I had done perform, performing arts previously in my life, as you know, and then um, WOS obviously counted as well as on-screen work. Um, I was actually contacted by a stunt company which was cool because they had seen pictures of me in the ring, pictures of me doing for bodybuilding, um, pictures of me in Japan, training that I'd done in Japan and they they literally said, do you think, you know, how, how much of a correlation is there between stunt work and wrestling? I was like, well! <laughs> they could like literally mesh together and that's how it all started one of the most scariest things I did on set was when they I did get the bullet shot I bumped the floor that is concrete floor there was no crash mat under me and I just literally got shot bumped the floor and every single person on that set went are you all right I'm like yes it's softer than any ring I've ever been in in Japan this is fine this is like a cushion (laughs) but Pennyworth to me was an experience of a of like it was a weird experience of a lifetime I know everybody is like wrestling you know we're superstars we're these big like big figures and and we're larger than life but that was the first time in my career in entertainment not just wrestling but everything that I've done in my career where I was treated like a legit superstar And I don't know if it was like um Um, because of the pandemic or because of covid but having to stay in a hotel like a five-star hotel for two weeks being paid to stay in a hotel having the entire hotel there was no one in the hotel for the first week apart from me and Giselle it was quite nice <laughs> but <laughs> having like I had a little runner person that would get me stuff and somebody who had like um sanitary like pods all around them if you know I touch something they'd be there like give me gel so I can clean my hands you know I had an umbrella person um I had my own trailer I was just like it was like I, I've I've made it I literally threw my and went I've made it she's like but you've already been on tv I'm like yes but that's not the point <laughs> <laughs> so they, they,
0: they treat me like a god here.
1: <laughs> I, oh my god. But the, the greatest and craziest thing was I never realized how small and how niche of a product wrestling truly is until we did that taping. Until we did those tapings, the, the fact that the cast weren't aware that there was even wrestling in Britain, let alone England, Ireland, Scotland or Wales they didn't know that there was regular wrestling in in camps, they had no idea about things like All-Star and Butlins, like it was, it kind of opened my eyes to, this is a movie set, this is a Hollywood production, and you're from a world where basically nobody knows you exist unless they have to, and it was kind of a very kind of reality-based setting like if i had a massive ego pennyworth probably would have been my like nervous breakdown moment <laughs> where you realize you're not that special <laughs> uh
0: but no there is i mean outside of of i don't know grado nobody knows that i mean folks still go, oh i like the i like the guy from from scott squad I and mean, oh, he's always wrestler is he <laughs> i know yes <laughs> so scotland we've we've, we've Ham fisted our way over to uh, over to that uh, segue. Uh yeah, you're you're you you wrestled quite a bit in Scotland. So, of course, reckless intent would be one of your main uh, haunts, I suppose. Um, with the headbanders, with uh, Robin and Jack. Yes,
1: I was
0: a... That's a, again a little bit different from you're uh, you're not the the. The Big Scary Monster, you're coming in and you were a little bit The Big Scary Monster. And a that um,
1: and everything. It's yeah. great. Uh-huh.
0: Um, it started with you dragging them away and then suddenly you're all pals. <laughs> so <laughs> no. it was like going to Reckless Tent and being part of that kind of, I don't, know, I don't want to say a comedy group, but Jack and Rob, Rob were a bit, a bit of a, a goofy pair and uh, being paired with you.
1: It was a really nice change to what I was my norm. I mean, it was the first time I'd ever been faced in my entire career. I didn't, like, I literally, when the promoter said it to me, I was like, no. I had never said no to a promoter in my life, but it was literally, no, not doing it. I'm like, why? I was like, because it's not going to work. I was so against it. I was like, I am not a nice person. Things I do in the ring, if you cheer, like, look, imagine the things I do in the ring. All the things that I do, if you cheer that, that kind of makes you a Sado. Just a little... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not gonna be your face. My kids aren't gonna love me. There's not gonna be any hand clapping. They're not gonna do that for me. And it was weird. They did. I, I didn't. I didn't remember how good kind of family-friendly settings were because I was working so many kind of indie circuit promotions. But being in that kind of setting and having all those screaming children and like having children buying like little stickers of you, balloons of your face on it, like that was the kind of wrestling that I missed. And then coming back to Reckless Intent kind of relit that for me. I was so focused um, before I came to Scotland on kind of like the strong style type of wrestling. I was kind of getting really serious with my wrestling and it was almost kind of consuming me. And when I got to Reckless, it was kind of just like a, it's like, it's fun again. Like, remember, like if if I'm not having fun, they're not having fun. And that was what Reckless intended for me at the time.
0: Uh, yeah, because there <laughs> was a part of you going, God, these, these Scottish fans, they're a bit... They're a bit weird, they're, they're liking this too much.
1: <laughs> I'm, like, I'm punching someone in the head, you're going, yay! I'm like, no!
0: You should be supporting this action. But,
1: you're all but, wrong, uh, you're all wrong.
0: That's what we like up here in Scotland, we just like to see folk getting battered and paying for the privilege. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's, it's... I mean, I suppose again, you're unique in, in your, your size of build, the that, that folk will see you going, oh my God, this this is a superhero. This is a superstar kind of thing because you do stand out from everyone else. Uh, so I suppose that, that might be part of it when you're in Reckless where there's a lot of uh, small dudes and you're there they're just throwing them about like nothing. I know. <laughs> um, and of course, Fierce Females being another place that you, you've kind of set up, up shop. Um, of course, wrestling there, What's what's your current status with toaster
1: That thing (laughs) needs to die. Well, it's not there right now. (laughs) Unfortunately, you know, Emma's Emily's fired. You know, you know, so I don't have to see the toaster at the moment. But the toaster needs to realise it's my house now. Like I've I've got the pen, I've got the book, I've got the training school. Like it's mine. Like if I don't want you in the building, the toaster can't be there.
0: Uh, of course we'll go back a little bit before that of course last year stuff (laughs) happened we're not going to get into it because you know it's supposed to be fun it's a happy time Uh, and then you ended up yeah coming out of it being one of the one one of the people in charge of Fierce Females so I mean uh, spending years at this point well I've been 12 years odd wrestling and being one being the one being told to do things or being asked to do things nicely uh, now you're in a position where you're the one doing it So, I mean, of course, they haven't done a show yet, so you're not 100%, 100% know what the experience is like. But I was like taking that on and going, oh, now I've got to kind of write a show now.
1: It, It was like, like I said, when I was in Japan, I kind of feel like Nane and Natsuki prepared me a lot. So along with the stuff that I was doing in the office, I was spending a lot of time in the dojo with the young girls that they had. And... I would quite often have to take training when um, Natsuki or Nane were working or when they were running late from other business appointments and again I think this was my preparation because I didn't think by any stretch of the imagination that anybody would listen to me. It's not about what I could teach them, it's about how much you can listen. With my experience if I couldn't teach anybody at least something then there's been no point of my entire career. But the difference of somebody actually having that respect and listening to you and taking on board what you're saying, because you don't have to. Like, I have had so many different trainers in my career that I've never said to any of the girls that train with me or any of the guys that train with me or any anybody that does train with me, um, that you have to stick with me. I know everything. Everything I say is gospel. I've always said, go on, flourish, learn as much as you can. But the simple fact of somebody sitting there week after week being in front of you and trusting you that you're going to help develop their mind in this business going forward especially after a lot of the things that did happen like we said no negativity um, after everything that did happen you know i think this is what kind of a lot of the women in scotland kind of needed like a, a lot of people have gone now a lot of people have retired uh signed gone away done other things gone other places there are very few women left in Scottish wrestling British wrestling alone that could still be kind of moral standpoints and teachers to a lot of the women that are out there and I'm not saying that I am that person you know 100% of the time but I do feel that I have a lot to tell people and a lot of experience to teach people and um, a lot of experience bad or positive that I've had in my career that could probably make somebody's career a lot easier.
0: That's, that's what I was kind of, I was, I was just thinking, just before you said that last part, but yeah, you've you've been through the bad ways to teach, you've been through the, the uh, just reading between the lines, uh, not just explicitly saying a have of horrible <laughs> people, but, uh, but yeah, you, you've trained the wrong way kind of thing, so you know what the right way is, or at least you know uh, how to take that way and just make it. Uh, uh, the right way and actually positive and and will help people. So yeah, you've taken on the dojo as well, and you're you're running Glasgow. Nah. Yay! Sayisha's <laughs> time now.
1: My house <laughs> now, <I'm>
0: Jackie. <joking. laughs> and of course, you set up a uh, fierce females focus with uh, our friend Kurt Johansen uh, to to kind of talk about fierce females as well. Uh, of course, there's only one, well, I think there's like two episodes or something so far. I don't know if they're more on demand that I've missed, but uh, yeah. So, so this is the kind of way to to you know, get your voice out more because I know you should be doing a hell of a lot of podcasts at the moment. Are you just are you just sitting in there in these hotel rooms going? I want to speak to people. Let's just, pretty much get like, a podcast going.
1: Well, it it was weird. It was um somebody said to me a while ago. It was at the beginning of lockdown. You know, you've been in the business a very long time. I feel like people know a lot of what like your like what you have to say of what your career was. But I don't people don't really know you and I noticed that with things like my interactions on the horrible twitter media and <laughs> not horrible it's all right but like social media wild in terms of interaction I'm not that great of a person at it I try my best like I'm not ignoring you I just try my best um but in terms of interaction and communication and things like this like I kind of put that on the backbone and i've always said in order to be a good wrestler you have to be all-rounder listen to what i say don't do what i do um but i always kind of concentrated on the character aspect the character aspect of the aesthetic look and the work in the ring and all talking promos and even though it was drummed into my mind by robbie brookside i am sorry like mm, i still do it but you know like it's not my thing um I know that I have to do it. So things like this is almost kind of opening up, opening up communication lines. I mean, my communication skills have gotten so much better in the, the, past year because I've been doing things like this um if you listen to past interviews with me I have an um, a very 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 horrible repetitive thing of going you know what I mean or um or you know what I'm saying and I've, that's gone now but in terms of communication lockdown doing things like this has helped and it is a good way to kind of get your name out there i mean twitter is free that thing is free this is so easy to do you know when you can get the time to do it why not use these virtual aspects if you if you can practice you'll only get better
0: that's it i mean when when i started up this i mean if you if you see me at a show i'm very quiet person i just i just like to watch wrestling and go home i'm quite happy Uh, but i'm not really a chatty person even on twitter not particularly chatty but at this kind of environment you do get to pretend for a moment that you're an actual sociable person uh, over over a Zoom call. But that's why I kind of did it. I did it because, because of lockdown, nothing's happening. And it did give people chances to get their story out. I mean, some people, all episodes have been great. If anyone thinks I'm going to pick on them in this particular sentence, I'm going to say. But if you come across as boring, then people are going to go, like, well, you're boring. That's just, how am I going to say? It's easy... It's easy to watch wrestling, enjoy it, but if you if you get to know the person and support them directly, then it's like, oh, this person likes me. I love me That's our that's our thing together. That's our connection. I'm going to watch her her uh, kick ass because she she represents what I like kind of thing. So uh, so for anyone that, that I say, oh my guests me great. So I'm saying that. But if if you do come across as like, oh I don't do anything. I do nothing. Oh I don't do I don't like anything. Then how do I like you
1: kind of thing um, that was a ramble what's your interest oh wrestling is that it really there's nothing else you don't <laughs> what,
0: what do you do outside wrestling uh, go to the gym
1: so you still wrestle then yeah yeah so you're still doing <laughs> anything else <laughs>
0: but yeah uh, I mean, if you ask me, the only things I like are Marvel and and wrestling. So I'm a particularly boring person, but I'm the host. I'm allowed to. Be. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, speaking of that, you did you did a we did film reviews with uh, Adam. Adam. Adam it is William. Adam? I didn't write it down. But it's Adam. Uh, it As one of those things again with with uh, <laughs> with Mad Janet that I just I didn't write down. I was like I panicked. So sorry, Adam, if you're watching this. But uh, yeah, so you've been doing movie reviews with, with Adam Woods, according to Woods, um, who we've spoken to, and he's fantastic, lovely guy. How did you just hit it off in your first interview and you're just like, yeah, we'll speak to you more. How, how did this come about?
1: Pretty much. Like, like We've never met in the flesh. We met during lockdown when I did my interview with him, and like I, we did my first interview and it ended up being like two hours and 45 minutes, and it was like well, if I could talk to you for two hours, I wonder what happens if I just have a general conversation. So we started talking about, like, his background is um MMA and cage fighting and UFC. My background, I'm obviously a wrestler. He likes wrestling, but we have different aspects of things that we like. Like, we'll talk about weird things like conspiracy theories and money and stock trades and all that other stuff. And it was just nice to, again, speak to somebody who is giving other people an outlet but doesn't actually realize he's doing it, like yourself, like there's a lot of people who will never admit to it but they ask um, people like yourself and people like Adam for interviews, not all the time You're, you're asking people, people are asking that's because you're doing something good for us and like we, we don't even think about what we're doing for you. It's we want stuff. We want stuff. But it's that interaction of they you generally want to help each other on both platforms. And that's what it was like for me and Adam. Which I'm hoping it will be like that for me and you. Now, If you want to do a movie <laughs> review one day, I don't mind. I'm, I'm open for it. I would
0: to see a list of films that I've actually seen. Then, then absolutely. <laughs> uh, if, it's not, if it's not Marvel, then it's kind of scarce at the moment. But I'm sure I'll be other films, oops, maybe, um, gives me a good excuse to watch them uh, oh. as well. But yeah, so uh, I, I, yeah, I guess show your personality more, as you said, as, as well. And, and people can, can see the person behind Big Fan Vader and and all these uh, amazing nicknames that you've got <laughs> actually over the years. <laughs> uh, be- before we kind of do our, our my, my silly questions and we kind of start wrapping up a little bit, um, you're also quite the artist.
1: <laughs>
0: I try. Many, uh, one uh, of many talents. Um, of course, one of the pictures being used for the upcoming fierce females uh, shows so the class, classic classic Am I right mm-hmm. in thinking that? Yes, didn't write that one down. Uh, so so yeah, was it was that always something that you've you've done growing up? Is it a relaxing thing? Do you just doodle? What's your kind of thing it with is art? It?
1: it was a thing growing up I mean I did I did I mean it's different in Scotland than it is in England I I had my GCSEs in art and music and entertainment and, and just general performing arts and then I went on to fine art and music and then I it just kind of it's weird if I generally like something and I love it I can't do it as a job so I'll do it as just just as is so in terms of like graphic designing and and things like that I will never it will never be my stable job and I never ever wanted it to be my stable job And I never ever want to receive money from things like that I generally do it because it brings me joy and that actual art piece I I made that for Vader who at the time of when everything was going on everybody's moral every not morals everybody's morale was quite low and I literally just sat at my computer for eight hours you know twiddling on affinity photo you know I was getting my graphic pen I just sent it to her and I was like that's that's it is her like the pink hair that like that is vader with a jacket and it was just to kind of build the morale of the women in fierce females look I know this horrible stuff has happened but we're not dead we're still here (laughs) if it's up to me we're still here (laughs)
0: Uh, but no it's, it's fantastic stuff so do you design your own kind of gear as well using that kind of skills is the logo behind you is that something you had, you had a heavy input in
1: i mean yeah i mean my gear and my logo have both been designed with actual designers cooperate like us cooperating together it was my gear for the classic and now onwards was myself and Tracy Pretense who we wanted a more kind of Wonder Woman-esque kind of show in but I didn't want Wonder Woman obviously because the movie was just coming out and it wasn't the greatest idea I don't want to get hit with a copyright claim Um, so we just kind of decided to mix the kind of a gladiator and Wonder Woman thing together Um, When it comes to the logo, again, I worked with another designer, Baz Torado, he was on Twitter, he does amazing designs, he's Australian, and I literally said, I love Black Panther, but I don't want people to basically go, she's a black girl, she's going to use stuff from Black Panther in her graphics and her gear, so I was like, is there any way that you could incorporate my old logo, which was that one? with almost kind of like the Black Panther, their masks and almost kind of that tribal effect. And then he saw that I was calling myself Big Fenvader. He was like, would you like that added in as well? I was like, I want to, but I don't know of a way of, of co- collaborating that with the whole Black Panther thing. So he kept the the um, the weights that you can see there and kind of almost made the skull a mask. And so it wasn't the generic design of a skull and crossbone that a lot of people have. He almost kind of meshed and merged and spliced the Black Panther mass with my old logo and everything else and came up with that. <laughs>
0: uh that so for the audio listeners, you guys watch the video and it tell you what it did. Uh, so go <laughs> watch the video. Uh but yeah so uh, yeah, I I like I love that kind of Black Panther design. It's just it's I mean, it is it's still fairly unique. I mean, you see, like you say, you don't want to be too on the nose with things like Wonder Woman and Black Panther, but um, there's always ways, like, you're, you're found out and, like, you're doing to, to tribute it, but not be on the we nose with it so much. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so we, we ask a couple of stupid questions, but speaking of stupid questions, we've got one from Brody Adler. Hi. Uh, t- <laughs> which I'm assuming is a run- running joke, but I'm going to read out anyway. Uh, she's asked... If a snake is cold, does it wear a big sock or a leg warmer?
1: And I answered this question at, at the dojo for this girl. And like, Brody, I already said, long johns. <laughs> <laughs> I love that girl.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I would have said like a body warmer because it is its body. So it's like a.
1: But is it also its feet too? Because uh, it's a tail. See, that's where she gets to.
0: I know. Damn you, Brody Adler.
1: I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so our, our silly questions that we ask everyone um, for some reason. Uh, first one is, what's your favourite dinosaur?
1: My favourite dinosaur is Rex from Toy Story. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank or you. the baby <laughs> from Dinosaurs. Even better.
0: <laughs> everyone goes T-Rex or Triceratops. No, this is the kind of, of, of ridiculous <laughs> answers we're looking for. <laughs> Take note, everyone.
1: Yes, Outside you should.
0: The, box. <laughs> <laughs> the other one we ask everyone is: uh, what in the fight? Two sheep or one cow?
1: Has the cow got fully loaded utters? Are they loaded?
0: <laughs> That's the first time I've been asked that. But uh, no, it, it, it's it's your interpretation. If it, it can, if you want.
1: Now. I believe that this cow is like, what was the cow that used to say milk it all the time? Was it da- the Dairy Lee cow? He's got like an other, okay. like, massive, like, huge machine gun. And is that, that that's the kind of cow that I see in my head. So the sheep are going to lose. So, Sorry, <laughs> sheep.
0: <laughs> that is, yeah. I mean, I mean, most of this podcast is me just saying that you're amazing, but that is the most... Uh, uh, <laughs> inventive answer that we've had so far so i I say 97 episodes in and that's that is is the wildest answer we've had so (laughs) um so i don't know how we can top that so before we wrap up then god that's the problem um (laughs) what what's what's your kind of goals then are you a goal-centric person is there anywhere that you want to be in five years time other than just wrestling uh but is there any company you want to try and tick off
1: country you want to tick off before I've always all. wanted to go to Mexico. I know that my style—I would have to basically stay there and completely walk my style, but I'm prepared to do that. Um, I still could—I've go, got still a couple of credits left on my bump card, but I'd love to always go to Mexico. Like I really would.
0: Great. I mean, they've got the um, the old Marvel deal now, so maybe you can you can you can get that Black Panther thing going. That's true. See, <laughs> all works out. Uh, but yeah, so I think we've we've ticked off the career, other than. By the time this comes out, it'll be September, end of September. But you're wrestling, you're taking off Aust- uh, Austria mm-hmm. in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how, how, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be similar to Germany, but it's kind of like the same kind of area in Europe. But uh what were, your, what were your, your thoughts and hopes when you go over to Austria? Is there anywhere you want to get to before you actually get to wrestling? Or you just want to get to wrestling?
1: I want to just get to wrestle I just I want to wrestle like I would love to wrestle Chantel Jordan again like we wrestled yesterday in UPW for the UPW women's title and that girl is like one of the most amazing palettes I've ever seen in like my years in wrestling, her mind, her morals, her humbleness like it, it's her essence is missed a lot in a lot of talent nowadays and it's really sad to say that but that girl four years and she's walking money she literally is walking money right now but i'd love to wrestle Chantel jordan again um and i would love to it's really weird i really want to do one of those crazy austrian european like ladder like chairs matches with kendo sticks because they do have a fascination with them over there and i've never done one i've never done a hardcore match in a foreign country so i'd love to do that because it's the rules are completely different
0: so there's still time when this comes out if the promoters over in austria want to change the match not yet (laughs) give me some time (laughs) could just ended (laughs) of course there was a wee pandemic last year Uh, so we mentioned things that happened that, that caused obviously your your whole Projected to change, you're now promoter uh, as opposed to just a wrestler. Uh, but yeah, how, how's have you been? As your match yesterday, was that in front of a crowd or been wrestling in front of no crowd?
1: How, how's that getting back into it? Eh, well, the, the laws in England are different from the laws in Scotland, so they can have live crowds now, and it was, everyone was tested, obviously everything was done quite safely, and it was 300 people, because so that was the first time I was in front of the sold out venue that they had, sold to capacity of what they could have for the restrictions of 300 people, and it was just like, the moment I walked out, that noise that ovation I just missed it like as, as weary and like I, my anxiety was just going off At the moment I realized that there was 300 people but just walking out of the curtain and hearing that explosion like, that that's all I needed I, I needed that I, I don't have to wrestle now for another six months that's a lie book me <laughs> um, <laughs> but I needed that I really did after the two and like two years year and a half that we've had wrestling is my life it is uh what I want to do for the rest of my life and I'm glad now that I'm in the promotion aspects of I get to help and mould younger minds into you know the world that I like to create Um, but I I couldn't live without it and the pandemic almost killed me so (laughs) keep it the way it is, please. <laughs> as
0: soon as the crowd roared, then a couple couple notches off the bump, uh, mm-hmm. bump thing came off. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's fine, I've got a couple more in me. So yeah, speaking of... F- Only a little bit more. <laughs> well, we'll finish up then with the, with the dojo. You mentioned Brody, of course, uh, you know, kind of kind of aligned down target wrestling a little bit. Um, so is there anyone else at the dojo or anyone else that you want people to, to check out, keep an eye on, like a Chantel or anyone like that?
1: Everyone, everyone should literally like. I can't wait today, de- like to debut the talent that we have in the dojo right now because we're doing it surprise ish. Because a lot of them get names that you don't know, you won't know. The only woman that's at the dojo right now that's debuted to live shows has been Brody. Adler. So I can't wait for you guys to see what we've been doing.
0: <laughs> Perfect. What a way to wrap up. Um, so before we go, then, we will find you on social media.
1: Uh, you can type in at Big Femme Vader into every social media you can possibly know of and you'll get this lovely movie Hollywood ready face. Uh, you can also type in at Fierce Females Glasgow and at Fierce Females Wrestling and you will get all the amazing things that we're going to do at the Classic grounds all over Glasgow, hopefully all over the UK, very, very easy.
0: Perfect, well way to wrap up. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> Thank you.